produce industry is like family, many say, and it's all about relationships. And in the same way, it can be hard for outsiders to work their way in. That makes innovation, especially of the ag tech kind, pretty rough. Great ideas can come from other industries. Then again, innovators from those industries do have to understand the fresh produce supply chain too, which can be very different. Hi, I'm Amy Souter, your host for the Tip of the Iceberg podcast and the Packers editor of Retail Education and PMG, or Produce Market Guide. This week's episode is brought to you by Zag Technical Services, which merges the worlds of agriculture and technology to bring growers and retailers up to speed on cybersecurity, best data usage, strategy, predictive models, and anything else that bridges the gap between the two. This discussion features Vani Estes, Vice President of Innovation for International Fresh Produce Association. She talks about her career trajectory that led to her position today and the Fresh Field Catalyst Accelerator program that she started, which I believe is in its second year, and how companies can apply and what the benefits are. She also shares her favorite parts of the fast-approaching IFPA Global Show in Anaheim, California. Now, let's join the chat with Vani. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast with the Packer and talking all things ag tech. I'm your host, Rob Collins, Director of Marketing at Zag Technical Services, and I'm joined by my co-host, Melinda Goodman at Full Tilt Marketing. So, hey, Melinda, how are you today? Hey, Rob, I'm good. Awesome. What have you been up to? Well, geez, since last time we thought, hey, we had kind of a fun event uh, through the Chamber Ag Committee. I was part of a dinner on the prairie, and we brought more than 200 consumers together who aren't connected with agriculture to meet producers and talk about agriculture and how their food was growing. So it was a great intersection of really telling stories and helping introduce people to a space that they maybe weren't familiar with. And great food, of course. Of course. Wonderful. It's so important to do that, too. Sure, you would agree. So, for me, I actually am just recently back from the Yakima Bone, where I was hanging with uh, a mentor of mine, Andy Tudor, in the Apple Deal, and looking at some of the uh, controlled atmosphere uh, environment, some of the quality control that goes into uh, the prepacking on on uh, the CA environment. So that was uh, hugely uh, informative and educational for me. So nothing like getting out into the field, hey. So anyways, I am, and this is my excited voice for Linda, as you know, so I'm very excited to welcome Bonnie Eskins, GP of Innovation for the International Fresh Produce Association. Bonnie has spent her career helping companies navigate, develop, and commercialize innovation in agriculture. Today, her role at IFPA is to help the fresh produce industry catalyze technology to solve pressing problems. Bonnie also has her own weekly podcast, Fresh Takes on Tech. So do check that out if you haven't already. And uh, we are definitely the amateurs in the room and significantly our brand as well as Vani was awarded the uh, Rosalind Franklin Award for Leadership in Industrial Biotechnology by the Biotechnology Innovation Organization for Lasting Contributions in the Field of Biotech. I'm also uh, personally very interested to learn a little bit more about her work with the Freshfield Catalyst Accelerator. So welcome, Bonnie. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's so fun to be on this part of the microphone. I love it. <laughs> you just get to come and answer questions, right? You don't have to like come up with the next good one. Uh, exactly. 
I don't know that we're going to have good ones, but I think we'll have a good conversation. <laughs> one of my favorite people gave me a quote once that said, don't let a bad question get in the way of a good answer. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. <laughs> so here we are, Bonnie. Every day we talk on this podcast about sort of all things ag tech, but because I'm a storyteller at heart, I love to know people's backstories. You've had an amazing career with companies like Monsanto, Emergent Genetics, Syngenta, DuPont, as well as a long list of board positions at prominent technology companies. What led you to this point in time? How did you get here? How did you get it all started? I wish I could tell you it was like this grand plan and I knew since I was a child that I was going to go down this path, but it was a lot of serendipity. I really was very interested in agriculture. I didn't, my dad was in the military, so I didn't grow up on a farm, but I was always interested and always had a big garden. And so got my undergraduate degree in horticulture from New Mexico State and realized I couldn't live on any job I could get with a degree. And so went to UC Davis and got my master's in plant pathology. And then that was right at the time when a lot of biotech companies were getting going. And I was just really excited about technology in agriculture and how we could use technology to produce food more sustainably and in a more interesting way. And so that's kind of been the through line through all of the different jobs that I've had. And I tend to be a little bit of a, oh, there's another shiny penny kind of person where I you know, see the next technology and I want to go work on that. And so that's kind of kept me hopping and working on a lot of different technologies. But the main point is just how can we grow food better for better nutrition and a healthier planet? So, Bonnie, I'm really interested about something you said there around how technology can help with the production of food sustainably. Let's just chat about something that I'm really interested in, which is the uh, Fresh Field Catalyst Accelerator by IFPA. So how did that program come to be and why did you take the approach of looking outside the industry to solve some of these challenges? Well, like everything else I've just said, it it wasn't a long planned out thing. So um, Max Toplitsky, the chief science officer at IFPA, uh, and I were talking kind of in the middle of COVID, like, we need to do something else. What else are we going to do? So the podcast came out of that conversation. That was a new thing that we tried. And then a little bit later, we were talking about, you know, so what else should we do? And I started, I've worked with a number of incubators in, in biotech and in ag as well, and just worked with very early stage technologies and then sometimes later stage technologies. But the gap that I really saw was that there are companies that have technology, but especially in the produce industry, as much as we love ourselves, we're kind of opaque. Like if you're from outside the industry and you say like, how do I bring a product into blueberries and leafy greens and almonds and they're spread all over and all these families. What I really saw was this gap of a lot of the technologies were not coming into produce because it just looked too complicated. And any funder, any venture capitalist would say, don't go there. And I saw so much in my career as well that a lot of VCs were telling startup companies to go to corn and soy because that's where the acreage and the money was. And so it was a little bit of a chip on my shoulder of like, no, you know, technology should come into produce. That's Let's work on stuff that we eat, whole foods. So that for me was kind of the beginning of 
what can I do to kind of bridge this gap of bringing technology and getting it onto the field? And so Max and I were having this conversation and he said, well, why don't you do an accelerator? And I had to kind of unwind my thinking about it because you see accelerators have equity and, you know, as IFPA, we can't do that. So I just kind of unwound, like, what are the expectations? And, and the main thing I wanted to do is give access to the industry, you know, put people in the room that it would normally take them 20 years to be sitting there talking to the top people in the produce industry in Salinas Valley, put them in the room together, and then also just help them understand the produce industry and give them market access. So that was kind of the beginning of it. And so we kind of put the whole thing together in like two months. And so the staff at IFPA, they've forgiven me now, but they're very used to like doing events and they're excellent at doing events. But they, as soon as they finish the global show this year, like three weeks later, they're doing the global show next year. Like they're really good at planning. And so I come in and go, let's do this thing and we'll invite these people and we'll take them on buses and then we'll give them mentors and we'll do these webinars. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So the first year, there was a small group of us that pretty much did it ourselves, just kind of out of commitment and love. And now this year, we're on our second year. Our second class graduates at the Global Show in October. And I got so much support from the rest of the organization this year, which has just made the program better and better. So that's the origin story of it. I, I can go into more details of what we provide and stuff. I love it. And Melinda, I um, I don't know about you. We were obviously at the Global Show last year and uh, our booth, Zag's booth, was quite near the accelerator and had some great conversations with folks that we sort of continued through to this today. Oh. So a really remarkable initiative. Congratulations on that. But Melinda, I think you probably have a question. I do. So it was really interesting, your view on, right, how do we bring outsiders into the industry? Everybody's looking at corn and soybeans. A few weeks ago, we spoke to Dennis Donahue mm-hmm. uh, with Western Growers Innovation Center, and he kind of said the same thing. Like, we need to go out and find people that are interested in fresh produce. And if they're not interested in fresh produce, we need to help them understand why they should be. So our industry can be a little insular. Like we have challenges that although they're universal to ag, in many ways, they're unique to fresh produce. Mm -hmm. So how do you identify a problem when you're looking at tech and what type of startups are you looking for? What type of companies are you working with now that you brought in based on helping them understand fresh produce and our challenges? Last year, we the first year we were we just kind of put a request out there and said anybody apply and we looked through them and we got a certain group. But this year and probably going forward, we're more specifically looking at climate smart agriculture. We got a large grant through the USDA that we're spending a lot of time looking at it. So most of the stuff that I'm looking at now is going to be through that lens. But honestly, if there's a technology company that can't tie their product to climate smart, they probably shouldn't be doing it anyway. I mean, there might be some supply chain things or something, but most companies in technologies. And so that was kind of the lens that we looked through this year in the 12 companies that we picked is is something around that kind of the climate smart area. And we kind of leave it up to them to convince us. The application is super simple. It takes like 15 minutes. No one has to do a video. It's, you know, we, we try to keep that barrier very low of applying, but they kind of have to tell us what their product would do in our industry as best they can. And we really want to 
technology that is kind of ready to trial right away and would be ready to go into the field within two years as a product. Because that's where I want the accelerator to sit is that we're really getting technology into the field. There's a lot of people that work on early stage, but I want to work on that, help them get into the field, think about go-to-market strategies, who who they're going to be selling to, getting trialing done. And that's the stage that we look at of companies. Interesting. So although they're still quite early stage businesses, they're a little more progressed than just obviously an idea. They've got some technology and perhaps they're doing some testing in the field and so forth. I think you were saying- I am. Um, just to add one thing to that, my early thought was, is there technology like in other, completely other industries like cars or banking or something like that? And my early thought when we first started this is, are there solutions that are already out there that are not even in agriculture at all? And could we bring them over? That still may be true, but I don't know how to find them. And so I'm, I'm open to any ideas on that because that's not where I live. So that's been kind of hard, but I'm still open to, you know, having Microsoft go through the accelerator with testing one thing, idea that they had, you know, I'm still open to looking at other things. But right now, it's like you said, it's kind of that stage of they're a little further along and with a product. I think it's interesting that you said that and how do you find them? And I don't know what that answer is, but I was just at a generative AI conference a couple months ago and there was a person there from Amazon who works on generative AI as it relates to food and their algorithms. And she had come out of the banking industry. Like she had built the some of the early customer service AI algorithms for the banking industry. And she was fascinating to listen to. And you just know that there are tons of ways to bring all this technology together, but how do we find them and where are the right places to be? I'm not the smartest person in the room to figure that out. Maybe Rob is. No, definitely not. But (laughs) but there you go. There's an intro and Melinda, there's a little bit more impetus for us to actually promote podcasts so we can help Bonnie with that like yeah i would think folks yeah. doing um massive you know big data particularly in say um you know high velocity trading environments those people are familiar with crunching yeah amounts of data and trying to predict the future and, and all that stuff so what an interesting idea so um melinda that's something for us to put our not so big brains together on and solve yes please i'm down with it <laughs> <laughs> so but, um so although the uh, program is still quite young, have there been any sort of uh, successes you've seen in the first batch of folks? Now you're sounding like my board. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I look. No, no, no. There, we have some stories. Oh, but, what's it? I mean, you look, I've founded two businesses myself, both startups, uh, and a lot of the road is hard and long. And so 12 months, sometimes a huge amount can happen and other times you're still just grinding it out. So yeah, anyways, you said you may have some success. Yeah, it's interesting because of course we need to be able to justify the program and show all the amazing things that have happened because of people being in the program. I started looking, you know, as the board started asking these questions, which are the right questions to ask because I spend a lot of time on it. I started Googling like other accelerators and like, what are KPIs that other people have and what should I be looking for and how? And a lot of it is you have to track the data to be able to then say, this is what it was at the beginning and this is what it was at the end and things like sales and stuff like that. They may not want to tell you all that, but most accelerators say it's usually five years from the time a company is in an accelerator to when you can really see. So with that in mind, (laughs) um, 
I'm just trying, I am in the process right now. I'm trying to think about what data should I track to show? And I think certainly if they get funded, that's great, but I don't spend a lot of time. Like I will look at their pitch decks and, and help them, but that's not part of the program, you know? So I will introduce them to investors if I know them, but that's not the main part of the program. The main part of the program is we're immersing you in the industry. So things like trial and sales and those types of things are, are what I'm interested in and also go to market strategy and, and just different things like that. So a couple of just stories that I've got to somehow turn into KPIs. <laughs> we One thing that we do in the program is Max does a four-part series of how to apply for a grant. And he takes people through, like they, he said, you come with an idea. This isn't like, I'm not teaching, you know, professor style, like you are filling out the grant application. And he is super good at it. Like we've gotten three grants recently at IFPA because he speaks the language used to work at USDA. So we've, we had one company that got a grant last year for a million dollars, which is great. And so that's non-dilutive funding, helps them continue going. We had one company that was in the accelerator last year. They ended up doing a test market with a big distributor that they wouldn't have met, you know, had they not been in the program. Another company that was in the program this year, we were out in the field and just by him talking to a number of growers who were late planting because of the floods this year, they changed one of their strategies of the company of saying, we could actually grow transplants. And they were a vertical farm company. And they said, well, we could grow transplants. And that's a part of our business we hadn't even thought of. So those are the types of things that happen and the magic. And one part of that, we do an immersion week where this we went to see 15 different companies from LA to San Francisco. We wore these people out on the bus. And so you just get to see all different parts of the supply chain. And it is, you just, you walk away from that week, just loving our industry so much. And then we also pair everyone up with a mentor, which are very senior people from like Taylor Farms and Driscoll's and Braga and really senior people in these companies that introduce that work with people in the accelerator and introduce them. You know, a lot of it is just what problem are you trying to solve? Let me introduce you to this person. Let me introduce you to that person. And so the mentor program is super helpful as well. So we have a lot of stories about, oh, I would have never met this person or, oh, I never would have made that sale or, oh, I never would have thought about this go-to-market strategy. But it's very hard to quantify them, but we have tons of stories, you know, so I'm that's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Every company, big and small, relies on technology from the field to the warehouse to administration. Uptime stability is critical to your bottom line and to supply chain continuity. Cybersecurity is one of the greatest risks to modern agriculture. Contact Zag Technical Services for your technology risk assessment and let us check your tech. Visit zagtech.com. Melinda, you would appreciate this too, that you know it's an accelerator, right? And the accelerator can be knowledge, it can be relationships, it can be learning or testing in the field. It doesn't always have to be some massive, big, you know, outcome. I was just wondering, Bonnie, like, can Rob go with? Because Rob loves getting in the field. Like, I think he would, like, he would smile the whole time if you let him ride around in the bus for that week and go to all those different places. It's so fun. And it is it is amazing just to get out there and, and you get these people that want to talk about technology and you get everybody together. And we were out in the field and there was a cilantro harvester and there's, you know, all the robotics guys in the program are like, well, have you thought, you know, they're like solving problems. And, you know, it, it's very, it's very cool. And it's just, it's fun to see that magic and then get out in the field and, and see the problems. Because that's, that's what they're, we're there to talk to them about. Like, what are the problems that you're having trouble solving? 
So I'm curious about that. So you're bringing like tech people, right? Who may not have ag background, but they might be engineers. They might be tech people. They're seeing a problem for the first time and they're interacting and starting to come up with ideas. Vice versa, how does the farm or the workers or any of that C-suite at those farms who's interacting with them, how do they respond to that and engage at that level to really start providing the reverse engineer of that, right? Like Rob just mentioned his, one of his mentors, Andy Tudor, is very clear always, like, how do you expect to help if you don't understand how they grow? Yeah, that's very true. So yeah, I think they definitely, the producers and the the field people and the people that we talk to, like very engaged and the mentors as well. I mean, I've talked to a lot of the mentors that have said, you know, I learned as much from my mentee as they learned from me. And so I think it's, I've had a number of people really appreciate the program in the produce industry because we vet them, you know, like, you know, a lot of these companies, you know, like Taylor and Driscoll's like, hey, everybody wants to talk to Taylor and Driscoll's. And so everyone's knocking on their doors and And sure, some of them are really good, but they don't have time to talk to everybody. So we bring 12 at once and they introduce themselves. And if there's some spark and something that they need, they work together. So that's what we're hearing from the industry as well. Not just the farms that we visit, but other people in the industry that are part of the program. It is kind of a vetting process that we bring in technologies that we think are important to the industry and companies that we have a reason to believe are going to be successful. That makes sense. So, Bonnie, I'm getting a, a little bit excited, although you wouldn't tell by my monotone delivery here. So if the, if the next great tech entrepreneur is out there listening to this, how can they learn a little bit more about the program? They can get in touch with me. LinkedIn is a good way or, you know, from our website. And the next program that we do for the Accelerator, we usually we run the programs from the Immersion Week, which next year will be early June through the Global Show, which is late October. That's kind of the... So it's an amazing amount of work that gets done without a lot of time and demands from the entrepreneur. So they can apply. Probably we'll open applications in February. The best way to kind of know when we do that is just follow me on LinkedIn and I'm very loud about it and look at our website, IFP's website, and it'll have information about it. And then we go through a process of choosing and we'll probably choose in April and then the immersion program will start in June. But the other thing I would say, since I have the platform here, is that in the global show this year in Anaheim, we all, one of the things that the accelerator participants get to do is have a, a small stand at the global show. And this year, you know, I'm sure we're expecting, you know, 22 to 24,000 people and Anaheim's a great place to have it. And so you get, you know, as a young company, you get to stand there and we're doing other programs to bring people to them as part of that space. And you saw that last year. We're also allowing other startups and young companies to have a stand in that. It's kind of across the aisle, but it's in the same space. And I have a few spaces open. And so it's free. And you could, if you're interested in the industry and you think you there's an application for your product, I have some space open, but get in touch with me soon. And that's a way to kind of get involved. And so those are some ways. But yeah, I would love to have anybody apply. And like I said, the application is really easy. So if you think that there's, you don't know exactly what I'm looking for. And so if you think there's any way that you would fit, please apply and, and we'll let you know. Awesome. So over your career, you've seen a lot of evolution of egg tech. What's the next big thing in tech that we should all be watching for that nobody's even talking about or thinking of? Well, somebody's thinking about it, but maybe those of us who aren't in tech aren't thinking about yet. 
that is who's your favorite child? You know, <laughs> that's a hard question. That's easy for me. I only have one, but I've done a lot of work in breeding over time. And I really think that using some of the new breeding technologies as consumers accept them more, that there's a lot, especially around climate change that we're going to be able to do with breeding and problems we're going to be able to solve. So I think that's one that is kind of quiet and takes longer. The other one, I mean, you mentioned generative AI and like none of us know what effect that's going to have, right? I mean, that it's just such a, it's so fascinating, like where that's going to take us and, and how that's going to allow us to produce healthy, more nutritious food better. But I think there's going to be huge application of that tool that is going to make a big difference. So those are the, and I, I would just keep going and then they're not my favorites. They're all my favorites. <laughs> but I'll stop with those two. Since you mentioned breeding, I am going to go back and just for a second, especially from a marketing standpoint, because it's still tech, but obviously there's been massive hurdles over the years trying to get past, you know, the idea of GMOs, yet we know that CRISPR and everything else even just generalized breeding is somewhat the form of the evolution of plants. Do you think from this point forward, is it really, is it marketing? Is it science? Is it sustainability that is going to make this more acceptable to the next generation of consumers that we overcome this previous hurdle that we've been held back in? Yeah, I think one of the interesting things that's happening in Europe, you know, Europe ruled that gene editing was GMO. And now they're re-looking at that. And the driver for that is climate change. So I think it's fascinating that people are like, okay, we've got all these evils, which is, which is the least evil, but... But they are really saying we've got to really make some impact on climate change and, and climate adaptation and mitigation. And so they see breeding and these new breeding tools as part of that. So I think you're going to see a shift in Europe because driven by climate change. I think in the U.S., you know, we've all seen all of demographic surveys and looking at Gen Z and some of the other demographic groups and younger people are more accepting of technology in their lives, period. And so I think a lot of the super strong anti-GMO people are kind of aging out and younger people who are really focused on health and nutrition and sustainability, those are going to be the drivers. And, oh, you're going to use some new technology to do that? Okay. You know, if, I, if this is growing more sustainably and it's more healthy for me, that's okay with me. So I think we're going to see kind of the demographic shift and, and adoption. And But what we need to focus on, and it sounds like you've been through some of these hurdles, is not on grower benefits. We really need to lead with consumer benefits. And so I think a lot of companies are realizing that and will lead with consumer benefits and say, this is why this is better for you. It's better for the environment. It's more nutritious. It's going to last longer in your refrigerator, you know, all those different things. I think consumers will say, okay, fine, as long as I get a benefit. I have adamantly told some clients over the years for the last 10 to 15 years, uh, it's fine if privately you want to say you're not going to grow GMO products. Do not publicly advocate for the reality that you don't agree with GMOs and put it on your products because you never know when the day will come that you will need to use GMOs for whatever reason it might be. Mm -hmm. And then you've backed yourself into a corner that you will also have to reverse your position on why you're willing to do this at this point. So fascinating. I love it. Yeah, good advice. <laughs> Indeed. Well, there's also a few pro tips in there from Bunny and some lenders. So I hope there's some entrepreneurs listening to that. Hey, you mentioned uh, the Global Produce and Floral Show coming up. Very, very excited uh, about this year's event. So what or who should we be perhaps looking out for at the Global Show this year? 
Well, it's um, what I'm super excited about is the focus on technology this year and innovation. And we always focus on that some, but this is, you know, I think we're we're really, that is a big focus. So I, you'll see in Kathy's state of the industry, you know, she'll talk about generative AI and talk about a lot of the technology. We have Steve Wozniak, who's speaking. Elliot Grant from Mineral is going to be speaking. I'm doing a fireside chat with Elliot as well. So we're really focusing on what is technology and what technology we're using to solve some of our biggest issues. And you're going to see that on the show floor as well. We have this innovation area that we were talking about that's going to have the accelerator people and then also other startup companies. And this year, we're doing a number of different talks in that area, which I think are going to bring people to that area because before it was just buyers and sellers of produce get together and we kept trying to pull the people into the business solution providers. But now innovation is is so important to us. And so we're bringing people in by doing a number of different conversations about food safety and about FISMA and about nutrition and a lot of the different issues. I specifically, like I said, will do the fireside chat with Elliot and then I'm also doing a panel with Pairwise and Instacart talking about nutrition and technology. And uh, so that's going to be another stage to pull people in and see what's going on in that area. So we're it's an exciting year for me because there's such a focus on the stuff that, you know, I love the best. That's awesome. I can't I can't wait. Uh, there's so many good things I can't wait to see and take part in in Anaheim this year. So, Rob, what's your big takeaway from today? You always, always asking the winner, and I uh, always struggle to come up with an amazing answer. I think that you know what's exciting is that technology has been in ag for centuries, if not longer. A lot of it's often been in the field or in uh, packing houses and things like that. So it's been very, very operational. I think what we're seeing is a slight shift. We're seeing more data coming in to inform decision making. But some of the things that Bonnie was talking about today are really, really interesting. And perhaps for me, the big takeaway, there is still so much opportunity for people who are thinking about solving some of the climate challenges that we have from a production point of view, are thinking about sustainability, thinking about food, not just from a sustainability point of view, but food is medicine and we need more and more and more people consuming fresh produce, not just for the industry, but their health. And I really am excited about how technology is uh, playing a role in um, that for everyone in their day-to-day life. Awesome. Well, Bonnie, thank you for sharing your time with us today, updating us on the work of the Fresh Fields Catalyst Accelerator. And we're all looking forward to the Global Produce and Floral Show coming up in Anaheim this year. So thank you so much. And we'll see hopefully everybody there. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This is really great and shining a light on the program. I really appreciate that. And everybody get in touch with me that wants to be part of it. We got room. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Vani was relatable to me because of her values-based motivation for her ag tech interests and passion. I love how she wanted to work with the food we eat rather than the more money-making crops like soy and corn. She seems like quite the fast-paced person, which really does go hand-in-hand with an innovative spirit. The Accelerator program that she created seems like a great opportunity for startups to get a foot in the door, and she insists the application is easy. Anyway, check out our other Tip of the Iceberg podcast episodes. There are so many. And if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button and rate us on your preferred podcast platform. It really does help us out. 
Also, we should never stop learning whether we're new or experienced in our industries. That's where our free professional development courses at produceedu.com come in. We have all sorts of courses. One is about using walnuts and almonds to energize your produce department. And another is about understanding organic labels. But there are also courses on produce buying fundamentals, merchandising 101, how to reduce food waste along the supply chain, indoor growing. It just goes on. You can add this training to your LinkedIn profile. And you can use it as evidence of your capabilities and innovative spirit when you ask for a raise or a new role. Remember, it's at produceedu.com. In this episode's show notes, you can find links to sites that were mentioned in this episode, yeah, plus many ways to follow us for more produce information, news, tips, insights. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time.